Um, I want to talk to you about the cross and resurrection and Pentecost, but I don't want to talk to you about why you believe those things. I want to talk to you about how you believe those things. It's, it's, not, it's not why you believe, but how you're going to live after that. Is, is the cross, resurrection, and Pentecost simply a bullet point on a pamphlet that describes what we believe to the world, which is about as compelling as carpet, or... Is, is it something that fundamentally shifts the way we see our entire world, which then creates a life of people acting compelling? And so, um, and so Paul is, is writing um, these things to the Philippian church about appropriate responses to the cross and resurrection. He uses the phrase, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And so he's, he's sort of preaching a sermon um, about what it looks like not to believe and become saved, but then how that works out in our world. And here's his first point. So he makes several points. Here's his first one. And the whole morning this morning is on this one thing. Do all things without grumbling or disputing. Well, let's just stop right there. This could be the shortest sermon ever. How have we done in the last seven days with that? All things... ...without grumbling or disputing. One thought for you Bible nerds... ...I can actually read this in Greek... ...and I can tell you the word all is actually all. But Shane, the waiter took too long to get our order. Yep. All. Yep. But Shane, he left his underwear on the floor again. All. You mean that guy that would happily die for you... ...if an intruder come in? That guy? He left his underwear on the floor... How about let's call that even? He'll die for you. But Shay, she, yep. Oh, you mean that woman that would stand with you if everybody else left? That one? Let's call it even. But Shane, he said something I disagree with. Yep. Oh. But Shane, it was about the Bible. Uh-huh. Oh. Leave the preachers alone. Here's what preaching is. Preaching is spending 10 hours with four researchers putting together a talk that's going to take 40 minutes to deliver so that someone who hasn't spent 10 seconds thinking about it can criticize you on the internet. <clears throat> Leave them alone. All. Of all the Bible thumping I hear in the world, I've never heard that scripture Bible thumped. The Bible's clear, Shane. Yes, it is. All things without grumbling or disputing. Earlier, he said, never, ever, ever quarrel over disputable matters. And then he calls all things disputable. Unless it's Jesus is the Christ, he was crucified, the resurrection is true, leave it alone. No grumbling or disputing. How have we done with that? Let's make a commitment for the next 60 days. If we're going to Bible thump anything, we only Bible thump this scripture until we've mastered it. And hopefully in that process, we will see the irony in Bible thumping at all. And then he uses real serious language. That you may be blameless and innocent. Is Paul tying our innocence to our basic disposition around grumbling and disputing? And is he allowed to do that? Would we, would we welcome him to preach? How would that play on the internet? Children of God, it gets more serious, without blemish in the midst of a crooked, twisted generation, amongst whom you shine like stars or shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of light, so, so, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I not run in vain or labor in vain. 
In other words, I'm fixing to die at the hands of Nero. I'd like to know I didn't waste my life. And one of the ways I'm going to know is that you people do all things without grumbling or disputing. Now, this is Pentecost Sunday, and he's actually, I, I don't have time to get into all this, but he's actually quoting specific phrases from the Exodus story that lead up to Pentecost to make his point. I'm going to just put them up there for you studiers. If you're not a studier, don't worry. You're not going to look at it anyway. But, but, the, but that's, the, the, the reference to grumbling is Exodus 16 and Numbers 14, by the way. Uh, blameless and pure, Genesis 17. Warped and crooked generation, Deuteronomy 32. Uh, that, that's where Moses gets so fed up with their grumbling. He says, because you've grumbled, you're no longer God's children. So, so Paul's turning it backwards. He's going, he's going, when you don't grumble, you're children of God, not like a warped and crooked generation. He's just quoting Moses in the inverse um, Daniel 12 is shine like stars. Uh, it's Isaiah 65 is, is run in vain. Just to say it uh, as shortly as I can, um, essentially Paul is, is quoting the Exodus story, which is about a group of people who did nothing to earn it, nothing to deserve it, but God saved their life and moved them from slavery to freedom. And then after he, he saved their life, they grumbled about things less important than that. Does that sound like anybody you know? Maybe I didn't state that clear enough. Do you know anybody that God has stepped out and saved their life, even though they did nothing to earn it, nothing to deserve it? And let's say those people even celebrate the remembrance of that by eating bread and drinking juice. And then subsequent to that, those same people grumble about things less important than that. Like whether they agree about something somebody said or the volume of the music or, 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 or what's going on over here. Or man, Wellington's changing laws. Oh no. How will Jesus ever overcome the people in Wellington? Oh, he, the spirit of God's only ever come. The, the Egyptian empire, the Babylonian empire, the Assyrian empire, the Roman empire, the dark ages. And somehow he's threatened by Trump? Come on. Not compelling. All things. Let me, let me just say it as simply as I can. Paul's essentially saying don't be like the freed Israelites and grumble. Rather shine like stars. We say we need to be light in our world. Yes, we do. How do we do that? We don't grumble. Like don't autopsy it past that until we master that. Easiest way to be light in our world is to be known for people who don't grumble. When outsiders look at this church, they shouldn't know you for what you believe. They should know you for people who don't grumble. Oh, I don't know if right, wrong, or indifferent, but I can tell you this. They don't complain about anything. Wow, could you imagine a world like that? Don't grumble. Shine like stars. One more thing for you Bible nerds, because I, I, I try to put everything in, in, in a sermon. I try to at least include two things for Bible nerds, because I am one, right? One more thing for you Bible nerds. If you look up that word grumble, let me show it to you. The word grumble in Greek that gets translated is gongizmon. I love that. Let me read that slowly. Gong, giz, mon. The word translated grumble is a gong, an out-of-place symbol, the idea is, is that your life is a song. Activate church, song. Your business is a song. Your neighborhood is a song. And to be a part of the song, you got to know your part. But it doesn't matter if you got the best singer in Hamilton, which by the way, that was, that was, that was really good singing. If you got the best singer in Hamilton, standing next to the best keyboard player in Hamilton, standing next to the coolest dressed dude in one of those weird hats playing the guitar people in Hamilton... It doesn't matter if the drummer's terrible. If the drummer's off, it'll butcher the song. There's no such thing as a musician that can overcome a drummer crashing a cymbal at the wrong time as hard as he can. 
And, and that's what Paul says. Paul says, when, when you grumble or complain or, or dispute, it's like you're a gong. If you're the type that only listens to one line in a sermon, listen to this one. Be a part of the song, never a gong. The, the idea is, is that, let me say it my way, is that when we lose our part in the song, we lose the plot, and then we just make noise with our mouth. That's what grumbling is. Grumbling is, oh, I just have, I've lost my place in the divine dance of this thing, so I, I'm just going to make noise with my mouth, and I'm going to make the whole song start over because of me. That's, that's grumbling. Paul's like, no, no, don't do that. Don't do that. There's, a, there's an ancient rabbinical parable. This is not in the Bible, but it's a parable told by rabbis to help us understand the Bible. Uh, and it's, it's, about, it's about the Exodus story leading to Pentecost. And here's what they said. That as they were crossing the Red Sea, the walls of water were being held back for their redemption. But there were two slaves that got so focused on two pieces of mud between their toes that they started grumbling about the mud between their toes. And they got so focused about the two pieces of mud between their toes, they lost sight of the walls of water being held back for their redemption. Which leads me to this. Have we ever lost sight of the water in spite, in, in replaced it with the mud? Which leads me to this. You never judge success on a plotted point. You judge success on a trajectory line. So I, let me give you what I mean. If I was to say... Um, let me tell you about my money. I want to tell you about my financial situation, all right? Um, I have uh, 500,000 U.S. dollars in the bank, and I have zero debt. Am I winning or am I losing? I didn't, I didn't, I didn't mean to set you up that hard, but the, the, the answer is it's impossible to know because I've only given you a plotted point. And that's the problem with the news. The news can only give you one thing. It, 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 they don't show you the trajectory of how the things are going. So what if I told you the whole story? What if I said, okay, um, let me tell you about my money. I inherited $100 million from my rich uncle. And I'm an idiot. And I'm down to my last 500000 Am I winning or am I losing? Now I've told you the whole story, see? See? But, but what if I said, hey... I've started with nothing, and I've worked a plan, and I've been disciplined, and I'm up to $500,000 and making no debt. Am I winning or losing? Yes. So two people can be the exact same plotted point, and one be winning and one be losing, because you don't judge success on plotted points. You judge success on trajectory lines, which leads me to this. When it comes to the world, where have we gotten focused on two pieces of mud and lost sight of what God's up to in the world? When I hear Christians go, Man, we believe in Jesus, but the world's getting worse. What are you talking about? The Spirit of God's either at work in this world or he's not. And he's either doing a good job or not. It's not compelling and it's just not true. Like literally everything's getting better. Everything. Life expectancy is better. Life expectancy of Jesus' day, 32. 1550, it was 37. 1850, it was 43. 1925 was the first time ever we were living to 50. And that was only in the Western world. Global life expectancy did not cross 50 years old till 1948. Now we're living close to 80 on average. Is God done redeeming long life? No. Is it better? Yes. Medicine's better, which is why we're living longer. Well, okay. Would you rather have dental work today or in 1950? Or 1850. Today, they can numb your entire mouth with a shot of lidocaine into a nerve bundle behind your jaw. And then they can drill. Today, they numb your mouth with lidocaine. 1850, whiskey. 
Lidocaine is better. Is God done? No. Is it better? Yes. Would you rather have a colonoscopy today? Or in 1850? Or even 1950 where they... Come on. Number one selling cough medicine in 1900. Number one selling cough medicine in 1900 was heroin. It was legal. Oh, look, Billy's not coughing anymore. <laughs> Actually, Billy's not doing much of anything anymore. It's better. Think about it. If your great-great-grandfather came back from the dead and lived with you for two days... How much would you have to explain about how much better the world is? Just think about your house. Huh? What's that? It's a car. It's a do. Takes us where we want to go at 120K an hour on a paved road. What? What's that? That's a tap. What's that do? It brings clean, pure water into our house under pressure. What? What's that other one? That's the other tap. What's that do? That brings the hot water into our house under pressure. What? What's that? It's toilet paper. It's awesome. Tree bark? Out of fashion now. Today, toilet paper. What's that? That's a chemist shop. What's that do? It sells pills. For what? Anything you want. That one will take care of a headache. That one, if you're going to be in an uncomfortable situation and don't want to have to go to the bathroom, that one will stop you up. That pill will constipate you on purpose. When you're ready to be unconstipated, that pill will unconstipate you. What's that section? That's cosmetics. What's that? That's where we buy creams and stuff to make us prettier. What? Do you know, according to Forbes magazine, $3.8 billion was spent on cosmetics last year? B, billion. $3.8 billion was spent on cosmetics last year. Hold on. By men. What are you doing? You can see your forehead from a satellite dish. We're buying cream. Listen, it's getting better. Better and better and better and better and better. Less violent. Murder rate in 1400 in Europe was 100 murders per 100,000 people. Today it's one. The murder rate literally has gone down 100 times and people are still going how bad the world is. Are you kidding me? Is God done redeeming it? No. According to the World Health Organization, 2014 was the most peaceful year in the history of the world. Most peaceful year in history. Less deaths because of war than any time in history. You should see the data on it. Deaths because of war in 1300 versus deaths because of war now, and they graph it. You can't even see it. There's a big blip in 1941. You can figure that out, but then but it goes away, and then you can't even see it. Is God done redeeming violence? No. Is it better? Yes. If you want good evidence that the world's getting better, just go to CNN.com, FoxNews.com, any news agency you want, and read the top five headlines. It's, you know, Rihanna dresses up like the Pope at a gala. What? Like, you literally have nothing to talk about. Money? According to the World Health Organization, 92% of the world was living in poverty in 1820 by today's definition of poverty. There's literally so much money now that they just kept changing the definition of poverty. They just keep changing it. Now, is God done redeeming it? No. Is it better? Yes. Long, long way better. Listen, this is how much money we have. According to, according, to one, according to one study, the generation turning 21 today 
has more money at their age than the previous four generations combined. And all you got to do is listen to them talk. Get around a group of 19-year-olds and ask them, what's your plan? They'll say things like this. I think about taking a year off and going and walking around Europe. Who's got that kind of money? I'm 42. We didn't think about that. My parents definitely, my parents would have thought that's something really rich people got to do once. And my grandparents would have never crossed their mind. My grandparents would have thought you got your passport at the grocery store. They would have no idea. They have so much money that they could take a year off to look at old buildings and drink $10 coffee. That's a lot of money. Listen, there's so much money today. There's so much extra money today. Okay. Someone in Hamilton this week will make a full-time wage rubbing people. That is a relatively new thing. That we have so much money we can pay people $75 an hour to rub our shoulders because they're tight. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. You know, there's someone in Hamilton this week making a full-time wage permanently removing women's facial hair. My great-grandmother didn't have that. You should have seen him. Is God done redeeming these things? No. Is it better? Yes. Now, this is earth. Are there a couple little pieces of mud, a couple little plotted points we could focus on? Sure. If you woke up this morning in Aleppo, not a good day. If you woke up under a radical Islamic rule, not a good day. But those are small little patches of the world. In general, the world's getting better and better and better and better and better and better and better. You don't want to focus on the mud and miss the water. That'd be stupid. Is there anything going worse? Yes, there is one area that is getting worse, and that is divorce. Divorce statistics are going up, and marriage is sort of disappearing. It's just what's happening. Why is that, Shane? Why? Simple. We're living longer. Duh, right? Marriage has to last 50 years longer than people even lived in Jesus' day. Till death do us part when you die at 32 is a bit more doable. It's like, oh, well, put up with her crap for another 10 years. You'll die and get better. You don't want to focus on, on the mud and miss the water. So, which leads me to this. Why, is, why for us is, is our default button to grumble? A couple of thoughts about this is so we can overcome it. I think we grumble when we forget to remember. We forget to remember the nation's great. We get focused on one plotted point and forget. When, when I hear people say, oh, the good old days, weren't that good. Medicine wasn't that good. People weren't that good. Just wasn't. No, we forget to remember our nation's awesome. We woke up this morning in New Zealand with motor cars, paved roads, stores that prepackage food for us, clean water in our tap, machines that do washing, other machines that do drying, world-class healthcare right down the road, and it's largely free, laws that protect the weak against the strong, free education. This is New Zealand, man. Man, when I hear New Zealanders complain about New Zealand, I'm like, heck, man, where are you going to go? Like, to be blunt... If you can't make it here, where are you going to go? Our life is great. Our health's a gift. Hey, I woke up this morning without a chemotherapy appointment. That's a win. Our transportation, I fly every week. 
You know, every week I hear somebody complaining or disputing about 20 or 30 minute flight delays. 20 or 30 minute flight delays. Our great grandparents took six months to get here on a boat hoping they didn't die of vitamin C deficiency. And we're fixing to get into the most technologically advanced piece of machinery ever invented in the history of the world up until this time. It's going to fly us at 36,000 feet, 900 Ks an hour, wherever we want to go, while digitally streaming any movie we want to watch on demand. 15-hour long-haul flights now are simply 15-hour movie marathons where they bring you free Coke with a button, and we still find something to complain about. What the heck? And by the way... Richard Branson has invented a plane that's going to go Sydney to Dallas in an hour. Sydney to Dallas in one hour. I'm in. I don't want to be on the first one. <clears throat> I want them to do that about a thousand times before I'll get on it. But I'm in. And by the way, it doesn't fly faster. It flies higher. The idea is that because the world is round... Because the world is round, if you fly at 96,000 feet instead of 36,000 feet, your relative ground speed is 10,680 miles an hour. You can go anywhere in the world in an hour. Because <laughs> you're using this, anyway. The, 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 issue, the issue is coming down at such a pace where your head doesn't blow off. They'll figure that out. It'd be great. It'd be great. It'd be great. Our homes, like we're all living like kings did a thousand years ago. Yep. Our medicines. Think about our water, our power, our literacy rate in Jesus' day, 3%. 3%. Now we're doing really, really well. Let's say it this way. We grumble when we forget to remember the story's larger. We focus on the mud and miss the water. Like the story's much larger than what we're seeing in one moment. Let's say it this way. We grumble when we think we need more or compare ourselves to what others have. Depression and suicide are largely white privileged illnesses. Um, and I think it's because we have more stuff to protect, so we get more stressed about it. But the, 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 there's lots to it. But the idea is that in, in New Zealand, if you're going to compare yourself to others, there's only one way to look, and that's to richer people. It's, so you're living in a way that globally is very wealthy and historically is really, really, really wealthy. But then we find ourselves splitting hairs between the 1% and wanting more. And so we grumble. Let, 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 let's say it this way. The, the idea that I'll have peace and contentment at some unknown point in the future is just a lie. The idea that if I just get that, then I'll feel better. No, you won't. Like, if I just lost these 15 kilos, I'll feel better about myself. Nah. And look, if you need to lose 15 kilos, please do. Right? It'll be good for you. It's good for your joints. It's good for your heart. It's good for your blood pressure. It's good for all kinds of things that... I'm not skilled enough to, to say losing 15 um, kilos, if you need to lose 15 kilos, is a great thing to do. But if you're not enough without it, you'll never be enough with it. You'll just be a 15 kilo lighter version of your discontent itself. It just won't work. Or, or if I just meet that person, or if I just got that raise. Look, a raise is a good thing to have, but if you're not enough without it, you'll never be enough with it. The science on that is clear. If you make $60,000 a year as a family, more money is not more happiness. It just buys more stuff, which buys more pressure, which means you have to protect more stuff. But, but, more, but more money, will, if you make 15000 a year and get a raise to forty, it does buy more happiness. But over 60000 a year to $60 million a year, no difference in happiness. It just doesn't work. It, it, the idea of that, that house, that job, that shirt, that car, just doesn't work. Let's, let's, let's say it this way. We grumble when we feel God has shorted us. Like... like Around the Pentecost Easter season is the time where we step back and we have to settle this question. Has God been good to me? 
And if we don't settle that, we'll grumble. There's no question. Like, has God been good to me? The truth of it is, is that if we don't settle the question, God has been good to me. And I'm going to stop looking right and left, and I'm going to look in and up to get my value. If we don't make a commitment to look at the whole story instead of one plotted point, we're going to grumble. We're going to grumble. Let's say it this way. We grumble when we judge the future by the present. We lose sight of, uh, of things. We lose our vision, our passion. The, the philosophical word for that is despair. The internal conviction that tomorrow is simply a repeat of yesterday. Well, resurrection blows that out the water. Resurrection says new creation could burst forth in the middle of this one. You could be surprised. Resurrection says if you were wrong about death, what else could we be wrong about? Like despair doesn't fit into a worldview of resurrection. Now, you can believe in resurrection and not have developed the worldview of resurrection, and that's a problem. But the worldview of resurrection says despair has no place. The, 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 the psychological word is to freeze the present. The freeze the present is this idea that this pain will never leave. And it's just in us to do that. Like, we, um, uh, like if, if we get a bad enough cold, four days into a bad enough cold, we're thinking, I'll never breathe again. Or, or maybe, maybe a better example of that is heartbreak. It, it, anybody remember your first breakup? You, you, you know, that, that I, I do. I remember, I remember the first girl that broke up with me, right? And it was mutual, and don't you think anything else, right? But, but I was the one all tore up about it, you know? It was, oh, man, oh, I love her so much. Oh, I'll never find anybody. Oh, rah, rah. Of course, you're 14, everything's a disaster. My dad picks me up from school, and I'm pouting. You know, I'm like, oh, man. Dad picks me up. He says, what's the matter with you? And I say, oh, nothing. And my dad said, then tell your face that. Because, like, if there's really nothing, then, you're, then you need to fix your face. Because your face saying there's a problem. Anyways, we get home. I'm still pouting. Dad, an hour later, comes in and says, you going to tell me or not? I said, she broke up with me, Dad. God. I love her so much. Oh, man. My dad looked at me and said, are you crying over a girl? I said, yeah, dad. He said, hang on, I need to teach you something. It's going to require an object lesson. It's going to be very important for your life. I said, okay. So he leaves, comes back with the smallest potted plant you can imagine. Very, very tiny potted plant. And I thought he was going to give me a lesson about new life and new springs or whatever he was going to give me. Anyway, he, he hands me this potted plant. And he said, you ready? I said, yeah. He said, if you're going to cry over a girl, the lesson is at least cry in the plant so your tears will do something productive. <laughs> he said, God, you're embarrassing, crying over a girl. Ridiculous. And of course, he was right. Two weeks later, new girl. Forget her. Right? Right? You don't freeze the present. We grumble when we freeze the present. Let, let's say it this way. We grumble when we forget life is a marathon, not a sprint. This is a quote from Richard Rohr, the great Franciscan monk who has a PhD in saying profound things. He said, we tend to overestimate what we can do in a year, but underestimate what we can do in 10 years. <laughs> the, the idea is that we gr oftentimes grumbling is a result of expecting too much too soon. So we expect too much too soon, and we think we're a failure, so we grumble. But actually, it's just a gross overestimation of what could have happened in a year anyway, and an underestimation of what we could accomplish if we stuck with it for 10 that we grumble when we forget those things. Now, if you're the type that listens to the first five minutes of a sermon and then you phase out, 
or you get distracted. And then you listen to the last five minutes of a sermon when you feel it winding down. If that's you, now's your time. <laughs> Let me state this as simply as I can. A proper response to the cross of resurrection as a lifestyle choice is no grumbling, shine like stars. No grumbling. How do we shine like lights in our world? Well, first decision is don't grumble. No grumbling or disputing. Now, great messages are not meant to be agreed with or disagreed with. Like, of course, you can't disagree with this message. Like, no, Shane, we need more grumbling. That's just, just stupid, right? But it's meant to be wrestled with. So let's wrestle a bit with, with a few questions. Is shining as simple as not grumbling? Is it really that simple? Is shining as simple as keep going? There's nothing inspiring about somebody who's not going through anything. Inspiring people are people who hit bumps and they keep going. Like if I said, let me tell you about my life. My life is awesome. My marriage is awesome. My children are awesome. My business is booming. When I think about my past, I pretty much nailed that too. We don't want to know whoever that is. We, we, that's not inspiring. Inspiring people keep going. It's shining as simple as knowing we have enough right now. There's something inspiring about someone who has an internal contentment, knowing they have enough right now. I, let, let's say it this way. Is there any place we need to repent from grumbling? In the last 30 days, have we grumbled? I did. And I don't mind telling you about it. I grumbled about Auckland Roads. Because whoever designed them thought no one would ever show up. It's a city of 1.3 million without a highway to the airport. I found that stupid. And sometimes in Auckland, four-lane roads act like two-lane roads because they let people park on the road. I find that dumb. So I was in the car by myself, grumbling about the roads. Did you catch that? I was grumbling and no one else was there to hear me. That's a whole nother set of psychological problems. And it hit me because this is a new message. I knew I'd be preaching this. And this is the conversation I had with God. Lord God, I'm in a motor car on a paved road traveling to a restaurant that's going to cook food for me. And I'm grumbling about where people park? That's not shining. That's dumb. I'm so sorry. And I've made a commitment to catch myself grumbling or disputing. And it's happening a good bit, but it's getting less and less and less. What would happen if we made a commitment like that? Which leads me to this. I wonder, I wonder if Paul would have had the internet when he wrote Philippians. How it would have been different. I wonder if he'd had access to YouTube, how that might have been different. If he'd have said, wait a minute, let me show you a video of what this looks like. When I say shine like stars, this is what I mean. I wonder, I started asking myself, I'm going to show you a video here in about 30 seconds. And I'll, I need to set the video up. Somebody sent it to me. I was so moved by it, I put it in the archive. And I thought, wow. It's a girl, she's probably two, maybe three, quite swollen, very, very ill. She's in the hospital, it's got tubes all in her nose and everything, and turns out she's got leukemia, and she is waiting on bone marrow treatment. Um, and she'd been in the hospital 
344 consecutive days, which means that the mother had been in the hospital 344 consecutive days. She must have the greatest mom on earth, because uh, if anybody had the right to grumble about their lot in life, um, it would be these two, and, and they don't. Um, this little girl sings you a song, and, um, and she's obviously getting the motions from her mom. You'll see her eyes cut over, and she'll do, it's, quite, it's quite moving. Two-year-old, three-year-old, leukemia, 344 days waiting on bone marrow treatments. And, um, and instead of grumbling, she shines like stars. I think if Paul would have had access to YouTube, he'd have said, if you want to know what shining is, check this out. Let me play this 50-second video. Here it goes. Let me hear it. Let me hear it. Very often. You always hold and you always know. You might be down for a moment. Feel like it's open. That's your thing that we complained about nah shine like stars so I bless you my brothers and sisters to not just be people who believe in the cross resurrection and Pentecost but may it be an eventual thing that fundamentally changed the way you see everything after it the first decision we should make is as Christians do all things without grumbling or disputing do whatever you got to do to build that into the culture of your family your church Put banners up, shine like stars. Write a song, shine like stars. Heck, make t-shirts, shine like stars. Whatever you do, don't grumble. Shine like stars. I'll see you tonight. Grace and peace, everybody. God bless.